Uh-oh. Yes, uh-oh. This is officially Leave. it. This is episode one, season one of the Billy Wonka experience. It sounds really fucked up, but that's kind of the whole intention behind it. Just something that's more abstract than, than on track. I think we can say that for the most part. Anyway, it's me, Daryl. Again, we're back with a brand new show, which is going to be much the same, but also different from the first one. With me is still riding the pine, Trevor. He's rocking his... I don't even... What is that? You got like a little nub on the side of your headphones. What is that thing? That's that's another microphone that I just can tuck away. Oh, that's what she yeah. said. And Chris <laughs> Palfi. What's going on? How is everybody? We are good. Well, I am anyway. Oh, yeah. That's excellent. Excellent. And it's going to be interesting because today is the first time that this, you know, Chris and Trevor have spoken. And then there's me, which both of them really don't like me, but they were forced to come on through blackmail issues. But, yep. you know, we're, we're going to keep it short and sweet today. I wanted to go over uh, the Edmonton Oilers because that's what we do when we are diehard fans, right? Um, I was going over a couple of things watching preseason hockey, and it can't just be me, but I was super stoked for hockey to start again even if it's only preseason i was judging the entire season like most edmonton fans on what i saw the first game of preseason i was cutting people and sending people down to the minors it was fucking amazing it was actually quite fun uh but let's talk about the elephant in the room uh did you guys see the update with archibald today uh yes yeah Yeah, i sure did so you know forever for the whole summer you know, there was all this stuff on social media about Josh Archibald not wanting to be vaccinated and all of his, you know, all the postings that he had on there. But Chris, I know you and I talked about this before. What did you make of the new, the announcement today from Dave Tippett that he actually has myocarditis and it hasn't been just a, an unwillingness to get vaccinated? Well, I mean, I, I obviously I don't, I don't wish Archie any, sorry. I don't wish him any harm, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but I don't, I don't understand with, with COVID. I mean, I, I know we're kind of going off into a different topic here, but I don't understand how many people need to get sick or how many of these lasting issues need to uh, need to occur for people to, to get the message about, about getting vaccinated and, and uh, staying healthy against this disease. Like, I mean, Archie is not even the first oiler to get, uh, to be afflicted with myocarditis and it looks like Alex Stalock, it's going to, it may end his career. So um, uh, myocarditis, uh, you know, is, is a treatable um, and it's, uh, it can occur. I, I guess uh, I'm just speaking with my daughter about it today. She, she's a university smarty and I mean, it can occur. Um, with normal COVID type uh, viruses, even the common cold can, uh, can cause it, but it's rare. And uh, from what I understand, even the vaccine itself can cause uh, myocarditis in about one in 250 or one in, one in 25,000. I can't remember what the number was, but, but it was uh, way more likely to occur. I think one in 250 is what she told me, and I could be wrong. Um, if you're not vaccinated and you get, uh, you get infected with COVID. So, um, I mean, as, a, as uh, you know, you look at society as a whole, but then you just cut that out and you, and you go into your society as your team, your group of people that you skate with, that you talk to all the time, that you're very, very close with. And you see somebody like Alex Stalock basically having his career end as a result of COVID. And, and yet you think that taking vitamins and uh, protein supplements are going to keep you healthy from this disease. I, I, I do not understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand Archie's point of view on it. 
I know he's a bit of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to like he was posting about pandemic and all this stuff um, that we see in 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 uh, the normal rhetoric. But uh, I I just uh, I mean I know through my own experience that you know people will believe what they want to believe, but for me I just like I don't understand it. And and honestly, like I I sure hope that he gets better. I wish him the best, and I hope that there's no lasting effects to the myocarditis that he doesn't damage his heart tissue or anything like that, and he is able to play hockey again. But uh, but to me, it's just a dumb move. It's just mm-hmm. a dumb move to ignore the evidence. And uh, and unfortunately, he's paying the price for it now. So yeah. I agree with you. It's, it was kind of an unusual circumstance to see all that. And then all of a sudden there's a speculation at the beginning of the year. And I, I truly wish that he, I hope that he gets better. I don't you know, want any long lasting effects for anybody that goes through this kind of stuff from COVID. Um, and you're right. Like we saw Alex's, Alex Stalock's career is coming to an end likely, but you have to think if he doesn't get the vaccine, let's say he gets healthy, he still doesn't get the vaccine. Trevor, we're not seeing Archibald in the NHL anymore. Not, not anytime. Um, is it not a, a rule for the league that you no. have to be in order to play? No. I thought it was. No. No, oh. not, not unless they've introduced well, something new. I, okay, so then, then if we're looking at it from that standpoint, if he does get better, I mean, it's a heart condition and he's, and he's young. Um, like, yeah, we've, we've seen it firsthand that people who have heart conditions or a heart issue, I mean, with, our, with Curtis – that you can recover incredibly quickly if you're a young, very healthy person, but we don't know what that's going to look like for Archie. Um, I mean, he had, I, I thought the last couple of years, he's been a fantastic player and he's getting in the right spots and he's doing the job that he's there to do. Um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't want to see him too early because we do have other players to fill that position. Right. So I think, but I don't, I don't mean from a getting, getting healthier and playing again. I mean, if this guy decides not to get vaccinated, any player for that matter. Like I just didn't expect him in the lineup. Like I don't see him playing another, I don't see players. If you're unwilling to be vaccinated, I think there's going to be a point in time where they just decide to say that all players have to be vaccinated, all personnel. And if you're not, you don't play like that's going to be as simple as that. Well, I mean, look at, look at what happened to Vancouver last year. Everyone and their dog that was included in the Vancouver organization had their entire season shut down for how long? I think they were out for like, at least 20 some days. It was, it was a long time. And some of those guys got it really, really bad. So, I mean, I, I don't see teams willing to take on that risk. No. And yeah, so I, I, I don't think we would see him if he does come back healthy and he's ready to roar. I, I don't, I don't see it happening on a health standpoint, as well as a team standpoint of, of taking the stand of protecting your players. Well, and you heard Holland say it, right? Like if you decide not to get vaccinated because of the cross border play, a, a player likely stands to lose upwards of 30 games if you're not vaccinated because of the quarantine. So the only way that you're, you get around that is if you just don't make trips to the Canadian markets, right? So you don't play any of the seven Canadian teams all year. Is Archie really that valuable to keep him on the roster to only no. play half the games? No. Absolutely no, not. no bottom six player is. I, well, no. I should say, bottom three probably because that's where i'd imagine he'd yeah play, but i don't think anybody is no. but on that note like i say we wish him all the best hopefully he does get better um but it was some pretty interesting news to start the day anyway mm-hmm. uh so i got a few topics that i'd kind of run past you guys today that we'll cover off here um so three th- a couple of things we're going to talk about is we're going to go over the opening day roster and i think for at least six players we should 
probably be in the same ballpark for where they're going to be on the roster. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about three of the most important players on the team. We'll talk about a black horse or a dark horse candidate that we think could come up and steal and provide to the Oilers this year. And then one player whose performance is going to either make or break the Oilers season. And I know that's a lot of pressure for one player to have, but what the hell, let's go for it. So we'll <laughs> let's start. add some pressure. Yeah, Classic yeah. Oiler fan fashion. Totally. Yeah. And listen, this is, this is all, this is all Bible stuff right here. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to start we're, with the opening day. Ross. We run them out of town. Yeah, well, (laughs) I think for the most part, we've already run everybody out of town. All right, opening day roster. I think we all can agree that your top six are going to be, for line number one, it's going to be Zach Hyman, McDavid, Pugliarvi. We're all on the same same wavelength there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Second line we're going to say is Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Yamo. Yep. Yeah. um, You know, I'll throw in a wild card there. What what about... uh, um, well, I mean, there's always Cassian. Who knows yeah. how he'll play this year? Yeah. But what about Warren Fogle uh, playing uh, on the wing with uh, with um, uh, Drysaitel and, and Nuge? Like, I love Yamamoto, and he's got this uh, prove it con- prove it to me kind of contract right now. But I, I haven't seen much of from him in the preseason that uh, has has made. I mean, I guess preseason, but the stupid thing. But uh, <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's going to play like, uh, um, like he wants a big contract. So, well, and I, think, his I think Fogel plays left wing. Does he play right wing as well? Or just, just left wing? He might be able to flip it off. I don't know. Um, well, I don't most know, of these, most of these players are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they all flip flop pretty. Yeah. I mean, I heard some news that Cassian could make a, you know, like a showing on the top line PJ or JP could head down to the, I don't know. To me, I just think like you're more likely to go with your top six from last year and then kind of fill in, you know, on like a 10 game rotation here and there as the season plays out. Um, So let's start with you then, uh, Chris. So what did you have for your bottom six in your line combos? Oh, geez. Um, So, uh, I didn't make any notes, um, so I'm just going to go off uh, off the top of my head. I've got uh, Ryan either uh, – well, Derek Ryan is going to be your third-line center. Yeah. Um, I have Perlini and Fogel. Or no, Perlini's the center, is he not? Uh, Perlini plays on the left side. Okay, and Fogel plays left as well? Yeah. Okay, shoot. So then I have, uh, I have on the third line Perlini and uh, a right winger. <laughs> <laughs> who do I have to pick up for Insert, right wing? Uh, well, you got Zach Cassian, you got Kyle Turris, you got uh, Skeever. Uh, it's got to be Cassian because I mean, even even on a bad day, he's better than the other two. Yeah. Um, no respect, no disrespect to Skeever or or, uh, or Kyle Turris, but so that's why I got on my third line and then uh, fourth line. I think um, maybe looking centered by Ryan McLeod, and uh, you have uh, you have your wingers being uh, who's honestly who's ever left over Skeever and Turris. So. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll get into that in a little bit later, but that's how I got the, the, uh, the lineup. So Trevor, was that both the same for you for your third line? Uh, third line, to be honest. Um, I, I still have a lot of hope in Yamamoto to really put out during the season. So I still have Yamo, Leon and Nuge for a third, for a second line. I've got Hyman, Derek Ryan and Zach Cassian as a third. And then, yeah, I got um, not, not Hyman, McLeod. Not Hyman. Hyman's on the first line. Who you got for the third line? I, the for line? the first line, I put Perlini on the first line with McDavid and Pugliarvi. 
Well, look at yeah. you. Look you at serious? me. Yeah. yeah, I did. I am. I want to see what that's what that's hey, gonna look like. You just you're like that guy that breaks the fucking bracket every time somebody reads why it. They're like, what's going on? Why so wouldn't I? What was your justification for to put him on the top line? Because why not? Look Lamborghini Perlini. Look at what he's done in the in the preseason so far. This guy, I just I don't know. Something about him. I, I want to see him on that top line, put in a couple okay. good games with McDavid and Yessi and see what happens. I think okay. it could be I think it could be a good a good first line tryout. Interesting. And I mean, if it doesn't work out, then move Hyman to the top. I, I mean, like that's, I don't know. I look at things from different angles and different ways. And if it's coming from a point of me just okay. being dumb, I mean, we'll find out throughout the season, but that I, that's right what I wanted to though. see. Yeah. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. You said Perlini, you mean somebody else, right? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no. And then, yeah. There is the, there is that argument to be made for him. Um, what I like uh, and the reason why I'm confident that it's going to be Hyman and Puyarvi is like if any of Hyman's grit can rub off a, on a guy like uh, Yessa Puyarvi mm. um, yeah. and that guy develops a little bit of sandpaper and a little bit of nastiness around the net, like look out. If they crack down on the, on the cross-checking rule like they say they're going to, I mean, how, how else do you move Yessa Puyarvi from in front of the yeah. net if you can't cross-check him? Like, yeah. The guy's immovable, really. Like he's uh, he's an absolute tank. Um, yeah, yeah. He casts a big shadow, and uh, and he's a highly skilled player. So I'd like to see Hyman because I think that uh, Hyman has that that drive and that little bit of dig and work ethic that uh, that I think Puyarvi could pick up on um, and and learn from. Um, but that being said, Perlini's fighting for his life too. So yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. And, and he's he's a high draft pick. Like he's got a, a good pedigree too. Like the guy yeah. can play, no question. Yeah. And and he's just kind of got to get a, get his second win and get him in the right scenario. So, um, but I still I still say it's Hyman on the first line. So that's I agree with you. That's interesting take, Trevor. I mean, you never know what happens in the midst of a season, right? We all hope that uh, that Cahoon was going to be that guy last year too, right? You could send him yeah. up on the top two lines and hopefully make something of himself. And yeah. I mean, it never really transitioned into anything, but. So my third line, I, I kept Fogel on the left, Derek Ryan. And I I don't know, guys. I'm not sold on Zach Cassian anymore. I mean, it's going to take a couple of games in front of a crowd at home to see how, what he can produce. And I just don't know, man. Like, I mean, if the, if the Oilers end up going for a goalie, I see him as being a trade chip somewhere down the line. Because I just – there's so many other guys that can play in that spot that do bring the speed, do bring the size and the skill set that – when you're on a couple million dollar per year contract and you're just not performing, I just don't see how he's going to stay with the club. Anyhow, I'll digress a bit. I still see him on the third line. And then I really struggled on the fourth line because I, I was really hoping Tyler Benson was going to make a show for himself. He just, to me, he hasn't. So my fourth line, I've got Perlini shore and I'm saying tourists right now. I mean, it could end up being uh, shore on the right side with McLeod in the center. So then you'd have, you know, Perlini, McLeod, and Shore. Uh, but Turris has made a case for himself this year too, where I think he's outplayed quite a few of those guys. Um, but as as my bottom six, that's where I would go. And I the, forgot about I forgot about. Uh, um, now I forgot his name. Benson. Ben, no, not Benson. Devin Short. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They signed yeah. him for two year, right? This year, and and Perlini is on. Um, I don't think he's on a PTO. I think they signed him, didn't they, Perlini? They signed him to an I, AHL I, contract. I think it was. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, and Skeever, I don't. I mean, they might sign him to an AHL on a two way to send him send him down to play with the club for a bit. But um, yeah, so I think for the most part, it's going to be. I think you're going to see a ton of interchanging. But I was really enticed by the Scorlini they called that line between Devon Shore and Perlini, right? Because it looked like they were doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then for the defensive pairings, did you guys go that far or just for your forwards? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay, took, Trevor, I took a peek. Trevor, what'd you got for your uh, your D lines? Uh, last year, I really liked seeing the Nurse Barry as a top line. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found that they played very well together. Uh, when one stepped up, the other one stayed back because they're both, they both have um Barry has a bit more of an offensive head than I thought he did I thought he was a little bit more stay at home than he actually was but um I found that nurse really grew a lot last year to know when to stay back and when not to jump up and have you know all five of them in front of the net uh so I I really enjoyed that that pairing last year um then I see second pairing is uh Keith and Cece um I, I, I put those guys together because I see Slater Cuckoo and, and and Russell together on as a third pairing do you have Bouchard That's, as number seven? I, I see Bouchard as, as a number seven. I, I want to say that I want to see more of him, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it seems like they have been growing him kind of more the proper way rather than drafting a guy, throwing him into the fire immediately. Like, it yeah. seems like they really slow roasted him the, like the right way. Um, in my opinion, laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they, they did it right with him. And I think they're, get, they're getting him burn. ready. It was slow a slow burn. burn. And uh, I, I see him coming in if there's somebody just underperforming a little bit. I uh, I want him to crack the lineup, but I like what they're doing with him so far and and slowly introducing him to the to the NHL caliber games. And yeah, that's that's what I see. Excellent. For them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Chris? What do you got for those D combos? Well, I'm I'm pretty. You're pretty much bang on. But I had Russell and uh, and Bouchard as uh, oh, okay. as my bottom pair. Um, Reason being is uh, like I don't I don't think they liked keeping um, Bouchard out of out of hockey, well, basically all of last year. I think he was up for a reason. Um, they're very very high on him. He's in outstanding shape this year. Um, they have him playing on the power on the penalty kill as well as the power play. So um, I think they're really trying to. Uh, um, instill that 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 bit of a defensive uh, minded game um, and uh, you know um, Russell although you know he's he's getting a little bit older he's still a, a quick little feisty um, defensive d-man that can cover for his partner so I'd like to see I'd like to see them uh, start uh, start uh, putting putting Bush out on the bottom pairing and giving him some regular minutes every year uh, or every, every game. And, um, and time will tell, I suppose, if, uh, if they start throwing them out on the, uh, on the PK or not. So, but I mean, it's too deep right now yeah. on the, uh, in the lineup to even, even consider him, which is awesome, which to even consider him for a power play right now. So we have so many defensemen that can, uh, can run that play. So, well, I've got pretty much, and you? I pretty much got the same combos. Nurse Barry, number one. I've got Keith and Cece, number two. But I've got Cuckoo and Bouchard, number three. And I've got Russell as seventh defenseman. But here's my prediction is that you're going to end up seeing Keith and Bouchard and Cuckoo and uh, Cece on the bottom pair before the season's over. I think after watching Cece in in preseason, I don't – 
so far he hasn't impressed a lot. Now he's got a lot of new systems to learn and stuff like that. He just looks like another version of, um, he's kind of like, uh, Andrew Ference mixed with a bit of like Andy Sutton. Like he's this big guy who can kind of read plays well, but he's not really quick enough to get to where he needs to be. He is powerful, but still kind of slow. Um, so, I mean, the contract for four million a year, they're going to have to play him minutes, but I see him unless he can start to take off. I still see him ending the year on the bottom pair with Bouchard up with Keith. That would be my, that's what I think will happen for the years over. But uh, for the most part, that's been, Pretty consistent for all three of us. Okay, so what do you guys have for – we'll make this quick for the three most important players. Uh, Chris, who do you have for the three most important players for the year? Uh, I got Koskinen, Bouchard, and um, I was going to go with Duncan Keith, but I, I want to see Yamamoto yeah. uh, start playing again. Yeah, that's and if, if those three – like. Koski had a great game the other night. Um, apparently, they were uh, they were stinky in front of him. I never got to see the game. I listened to it, but uh, um, if Koskinen can uh, can shake off the jitters and uh, all the apparent hate that uh, Jim Matheson says we have for him, then uh, um, I think that uh, that um, if he's if Koski's playing well and he's in the in the in the low nineties, ninety one, ninety two, um, we're going to be winning hockey games because yeah, Smith is is um, going to be established as our number one guy, I think, but, uh, but I mean, he's also almost 40 years old. So um, no question he can still play and, and no question that his, uh, his commitment to fitness, et cetera, are, uh, are probably unparalleled except maybe by uh, Duncan Keith himself. But um, at the end of the day, age is what age is and uh, he'll be slowing down and he'll need those rests. So, so you need a really solid backup almost, almost like a one A and one B or in this case, like uh, um, no disrespect to either player, but a one B and a one C. Um, Cause I don't think either of them are going to be world beaters this year. Now, mm. um, you know, so, but uh, so I think um, depth wise forwards and defense are better than they were last year, despite the loss of Larson. So it all hinges on the goalies. Um, I'm not convinced that there's a market for Koskinen. So, um, he's he's here for the year, so um, if he can play well, we'll we'll be winning hockey games. Yep, I agree. Trevor, what you got for the three most important players? Uh, I got Tyson Berry um, because I we need him to have another season like he had last year. Uh, the offensive presence he had, like his passing, the awareness, the ice knowledge, um, everything he was doing was just on point with what we needed from a defenseman uh, to pair with Darnell Nurse. Like I said, those two are working together very well. Uh, second, I got uh, old Yessi Pugliarvi, big smiles himself. Um, again, he needs to put on a clinic this year. Uh, I think it's it's very important for him to have the net front presence that he looked like he was starting to have more of this preseason because mm-hmm. we don't have James Neal in front of the net anymore. We don't have Alex Chase on in front of the net. So he needs to be the one in front. Like you said, with the, with the absence of, of the more cross-checking to get him out of the front of the net, what are you going to do? He's a big, he's a big boy. So he needs to use that size and strength this year more than he ever has before, because we need him as that net front presence. Yeah. He can snipe from anywhere on the, on the ice, but that's where we're going to need him is in front of the net using that big body. Um, And then I've got Leon as, as the third most important, because again, he's him and Yessi Pugliarvi just remind, like they both remind me of each other. They're big bodies, tons of strength. They've got an incredible amount of skill. 
that if those guys can all just mend together, it's, it's going to be very exciting. Top six. Uh, not like we haven't had exciting top sixes the last couple of years, but I think this year we're looking very, very good for that. Um, and I, I think Leon's going to be on track for his best season he's ever had. Yeah, that's my, it's, that's it's my hard guess. to say that he's going to get better. It's like watching him and Connor yeah. like, oh, next year they're just, hopefully they improve. And you're like, really? Yeah. Improve? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How yeah. is that going to be possible? But yeah. no, that's yeah. no I, I think okay. it's, I think it's going to be there. All yeah. right. I'm going to go, well, I'm going on. Look at that sauce pass that he, that he dished over to Danuj in the last game. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm going my first, uh, my first important player is going to be Zach Hyman. Like you came in here with a lot of expectations, paid a lot of money to play up on the wing with Connor McDavid and your performance is going to be critical with how that top line performs because outside of Connor and Leon last year, we had a lack of, of depth scoring, especially with our top six even in the top nine, they just couldn't get their feet moving fast enough to get goals in the net. I mean, the Winnipeg series, as great as it was, there was no scoring outside of Connor and Leon, and we need to do something to change that. I mean, Tyson Berry did, did contribute, but scoring from the back end kind of got pretty mute in the playoffs. Uh, so I would say there's a lot of pressure on him, and rightfully so. So, I mean, he would be my number one that you got to look out for to make sure that he gets, his, gets himself going. I think the second player that's going to be one of the most important players is going to be Darnell Nurse uh, as your number one defenseman now, whether he wanted it or not. And I would never, I would ve- never venture a guess to say that he wouldn't want to be number one. He needs to take a jump forward again this year. He was phenomenal last year with Tyson Berry, but he needs to keep improving and he needs to keep pushing himself to be that number one D-man because outside of Darnell Nurse, there isn't really a strong number two that I would say could fill his skates if he ever got injured and had to, t- had to leave the ice. So he's a huge instrumental player for the Oilers this year. And my number three is, uh, is going to be Mike Smith. Um, as, as good as he played last year, they signed him to two years knowing that we don't really have that great of a backup goalie and they're putting a lot of faith in him as well. But his performance is going to be critical with how the Oilers play this year. So I would say three most important players, he would be right up there with who needs to perform well this year. And I will follow that by saying that I read today that he left practice not feeling great, which isn't a good sign yeah, for the Ill- Oilers to start the year. He left last year. Was it a groin yeah. injury or a shoulder injury or something like that? So hopefully it's nothing that's going to keep him out of the, of the lineup long-term, but he is going to be huge if the Oilers are going to make any headway with – uh, playoff success this year so well he was hurt at the beginning of last season yeah. and look yeah. how he performed for the remainder well, and I, so i think yeah. that's why Fingers I think, crossed. <laughs> yeah exa- well yeah exactly and i think that's why Koskin played as shitty as he did because he had to play 10 out of the first <laughs> yeah. 11 games right like that was a lot for him to take on uh, yeah. all right who do we have for our dark horse candidate trevor you go home. um you know what i i really deeply i'm gonna p- kind of piggyback off of what chris said earlier uh, we really, really need Zach Cassian to have a season to remember. This man is playing for his life right now. Last year, his excuse that I gave him is he's a, he's, he's a crowd player. Yeah. He's, he's feeds off of the fans. So for him to have the year that he had last year didn't surprise me at all because that's, that's how he is. He gets excited by the crowd, much like every other player. That shouldn't be an excuse for him. But he was ass last year. There's no getting around it. So this year... Um, I think he understands the gravity of this year for the rest of his future. Um, so with that being said, I want, 
I want to believe that he's going to have that fire like he had in the 2017 playoff run where he was gritty. He was making plays. He was getting involved with the crowd. He was making like, he was making shit happen in that playoff series against San Jose. I remember that specifically one, because I went to one of the games, which is awesome, but two, like he, it was just, he was so noticeable on the ice in that series. And it was so exciting to see him playing at that caliber that I want to believe in my heart that he can do it again. And I think again, much like I said with, with Leon, I think he may be in for the season to, you know, a season to, to really look forward to and to, and to look back on. All right. No, I, I agree with you. I think I, uh, I also want to make sure that he helps the team push to the playoffs. Cause I want to see what his chops looks like when he gets back to the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the playoffs. All right, Chris, we'll get to you. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. All right. So before the break, Trevor, your uh, dark horse is going to be Zach Cassie and Chris, who do you got for your dark horse in the season? Well, I, I, I like what Trevor said about Zach, but honestly, I don't consider that a dark horse. I expect that from him. Um, I think he, he vastly, there was a number of players that, that really performed lower than I think even their average. So, um, um, you know, you got look at Nuge, you look at Yamamoto, um, Cassian, uh, I, I think there's there's more in them than what we saw last year. And I think I'm hoping that last year was an outlier and it was just kind of a bad year mentally or whatever. But uh, so I don't consider them dark horses. My dark horse this year is Warren Fogle, um, especially, you know, um, you know, look at who we have in our bottom six right now. If we can get the bottom six going and getting a semi-regular um, offense from them and scoring, that's I, to me, that's where you win hockey games. And not only that, that's where you win playoff games um, because you know, darn well, that, uh, that um, Leon Dreisaitl and uh, Connor McDavid aren't going to have an inch of room to skate. I mean, they'll still make stuff happen anyway, but uh, if you got a bottom six, that's rolling. Um, I think then, uh, then you have, uh, you have some, uh, um, real good chance of winning some of those tight hockey games. So I have Warren Fogel. I really like that signing. I think he's going to be an outstanding, or not signing, but trade, but I think he's going to be an outstanding uh, um, semi-regular uh, um, contributor to the scoreboard, um, especially if you look at uh, um, Derek Ryan as the center and um, whoever is going to be on this wing. But uh, like, I think that third line there with Fogel on it, yeah. I think I could see him getting... 20, 30 points, and uh, there's your uh, there's your wins right there to get you into the playoffs and, uh, and get you winning the series. So that's me, Warren Fogel. Oh, that's you? a good one too. Uh, so my dark horse is off the board. I'm going with Stuart Skinner. I think that the goaltending is going to be a bigger issue than I think what we anticipate this year, only because of the unknowns. I mean, when you look at goaltending, it can make or break your season as we – unfortunately know all too well and listening to uh the news that mike smith could start the season off or maybe not even start the season this year i just go back to last year we didn't have a solid number two that we could go to that they had confidence in but watching stewart all year last year he was unbelievable for for the condors and then seeing him in the preseason so far i've been really impressed with his game when they played seattle the other night he was by far one of the best players on the ice i mean they only won by one goal and they certainly didn't ice a, an NHL team 
to compete against the Seattle Kraken, which I think outside of four or five players, they almost had their roster up on the ice that night. So I, I don't know that the Oilers are going to be able to trade for a goaltender this year. I know I've heard Anton Hudobin's name out there. I just think when they look at the market with what they're going to have to do for signings and, and things over the next couple of years, they have to look in-house. And Stuart Skinner is knocking on the doorstep. He has been unbelievable so far in the preseason. And if he has a chance to come in and earn a spot, I would say that he is going to do it sooner than later. And uh, knowing that the, the, the Oilers don't have as much confidence in Miko, I think says a lot about his chance to be able to play. So he would be, he's my dark horse this year. I think he could come in and turn a lot of heads. Um, if only to say that he is probably going to be better than Miko before the year's over. So that would be my candidate right there. Yeah. Good assessment. I didn't think of Skinner. Yeah. I didn't either. I, well, I just, I watched him in Seattle. Well, I didn't watch him. I had to listen to the play-by-play because the game wasn't on the air, but um, by all accounts, he was phenomenal. And I know Miko was good too in, uh, in the game against the Jets, but I mean, the Oilers only won four, three, and it was two goals by the Jets back to back in the third period that tied up the game and the Oilers scored late in the third to win the game. So again, it's just, you can't, you can't win hockey games, five, four or five, four, three, every single night, you need a goalie that can come in and stop 30 to 35 to 40 shots a game and, and, and win the game one, nothing, right? Like that's what we saw with the jets. Um, you need a goalie to keep the score down. And if you have to outscore your opponent by two or three, every game, just so that you have a chance to win with Miko in it, it's not going to work. I just don't think it's going to work in their favor. All right. So the last, last uh, category we have here is, Whose performance will, or I should say could, it's worded as could, whose performance could make or break the season for the Oilers? I think there's some very uh, some very obvious choices, but uh, Chris, who do you have for your player that could make or break, his performance could make or break the year? Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> for whatever reason, if Connor or, uh, or Leon uh, don't perform, I think, but we won't, uh, those are the two obvious choices. But for me, um, I'm going to say uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, yeah, he's, one. I mean, he, he's a guy that plays in, in all situations. Um, he's still got 60 points a year in him. Um, he needs to, uh, he need to start, um, you know, finding the back of the net a little bit better than he was last year and, uh, and making plays a little bit better than he was last year. So, um, if you see Ryan Nugent Hopkins firing, I think, uh, I think that's a good sign. So, yeah. Trevor, what about you? Who's your, what performance could make or break the year? Uh, we've talked about him a lot this uh, this this episode here with Mr. Miko Koskinen. Um, I have him to to say to make or break the Oilers season because if we play like we did last year in the sense that we kept Miko Koskinen as a second the entire year without giving Skinner an opportunity, um, I think with Mike Smith, like you said, he's he's approaching forty. He's coming in with an illness again. Um, he needs his breaks. He needs those opportunities to take a couple games off. And if Miko cannot come in and win a couple, even half of the games that we wanted him to play and win last year, um, there's a lot back. There's a lot sitting on, on Koskinen's shoulders. And he knows that he had a terrible year last year. He made it clear the other day that he knew he had a bad year. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on him for this year, knowing that, um, I mean, for a career continuation standpoint, like to make either a case to stay with, 
with the Oilers or to be valuable enough to send him somewhere else, this needs to be the year that he needs to take, take the reins as a second and really pull his, his weight this time. Uh, because yeah, with, without him winning the games, when we need Mike to take a break, uh, we're, we're in some serious, serious trouble. Like we were last year where you could not count on him for a win. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's it. That's, I agree with that one too. Um, I went with the defenseman. I had two in mind, but the one, my first thought was Duncan Keith, but I really have no idea what to expect with Duncan Keith. Like I haven't watched enough games out of Chicago to know, you know, in the last two years, what he's going to bring to the table. So I, I can't say that I think he, his performance could make or break it, but I do think that Tyson Berry's performance could make or break the year for the Oilers. He contributed 60 points from the back end last year and he wasn't, I mean, was he, was he a Norris candidate? No, he wasn't a Norris candidate. I was talking, that was Darnell Nurse. I thought Darnell was some, Nurse, I thought but was he was a low Nurse. Yeah, I mean, he he carried the he carried the back end for points last year, which I think is huge. But, I mean, when you look at 60 points over the course of 82 games, like, that's going to be huge. If he could only get to, you know, 60 to 70 points again this year, I think it would be phenomenal. But if we don't have any point production from the back end, um, that could be a huge issue for the Oilers, especially on the power play. So I'm hoping that with him on the number one line on the power play, he can get some points. Uh, I think he will, but I think if he goes silent this year and only gets 15 to 17 points, that could be a huge obstacle for the Oilers to overcome just from a point production standpoint. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, uh, I don't know that anybody else can fill in to take a spot yet. Like nobody really has that hockey sense, right? So Who's your next option? Maybe Duncan Keith? Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe Bouchard. Maybe just put Bouchard on the ice and say, fuck it, and just roll with it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that works so well with Schultz. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, but he was a Norris candidate. I don't think, uh, I don't think Bouchard. Don't even start. Justin so. Schultz has cups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, well, listen, that, that'll do it. That was it. Those are the categories. Those are all the uh, all the answers. I appreciate you guys' input. I think it was interesting, Trevor, you guys, you putting Perlini on the top line. Probably the takeaway of the episode for me was Perlini is going to be the number one left wing on McDavid's line. But uh, You're welcome. you never know. Crazy shit happens, right? Especially, uh, <laughs> especially if he's going to perform well. But uh, that'll do it for episode one of the Billy Wonka experience. Appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, enjoy the podcast and we'll see you next time.